Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin. It's 1900. It's Friday. That means it's time for God Country Coffee. I have some incredible guests tonight. Before we get there, uh, we have, if you order coffee by midnight, you can still get the 25% off for National Coffee Day. And I will put that in the comments. And if you don't see it, I think Frank usually pops in first. Um, it's in, oh, what did I do? NDC 25, and that's 25% off uh, of all our coffee uh, until midnight tonight. That's when the code will will revert back to in-op, and, uh, and then you'll miss out on that opportunity uh, to get yourself some of the best coffee this side of heaven. So there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, first and foremost, I thank God for everything that he's done, um, not just in my life, but in my business and uh, I'm very grateful for the support that we have. I'm very grateful for the ministry that we have and, uh, and definitely grateful for the guests that we've had on this show. They've been absolutely incredible. And tonight is no different. And, uh, and so before we get started, uh, I'm going to play a quick, uh, uh, <laughs> a quick video uh, that introduces them and a small commercial for their business and then two other businesses that they run also. And so I'll do that right now, and then I'll bring my guests on. All right, so I'm going to welcome my guests, Marty the Moak Martinez and James Spartan Six Feltz. And so uh, first I'm going to have to start out with saying go Navy, beat Army, because these are two Army officers. And so I got to get my jab in early because it'll be the last one I get, I'm sure. But uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for, um, for, for jumping on. And I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've not really ever had three people. There we go. Um, and, uh, I just appreciate your time. Um, you know, the caliber of people that you have on your show, I'm just honored to have you guys on my show. Uh, I, you guys are crushing it. And, uh, I guess I'm, let's start out with James, um, introduce yourself. Tell me where you're from, where you were raised and what led you to join the military. 
Well, first off, I, once again, humbled and honored to be here um, in, your, in your show. Uh, th- anytime that we can be on someone else's show, it's always a blessing. And then it's no different with yours. And we really appreciate the honor to be here. Uh, it looks like a, I need to get some red on, though. You know, I'm looking around. You guys have red. You know, it's Red Friday. So I think, you know, my hair's a little messy. So what I'm going to do, we're going to go this. Just there so you know, go. I'm wearing it. So I, just so I got my red on. Um, but you know, for, for myself, it's pretty simple. Um, I'm, I'm a military brat. Uh, my, my father was a, um, he is where I get all my brains. He was a retired 30 years E9, uh, in the air force. So there's where I get all my, my brains from. And it's a family tradition. You know, my uncle was, a, yeah, my uncle was, uh, you know, retired as an E8 and my, um, dad was an E9. So I get a lot of my, um, my mindset and mannerisms from, you know, from my childhood. So I th- I'd like to think that that's really what uh, helped me uh, in my military career because being around it from both in, well, actually three or four different uh, perspectives, it actually gave me uh, a, a lot to pull from when it came to experience. So I wasn't a, a brand new second Lieutenant with no experience, <laughs> but anyway, my story is not as great as Marty's, you know, Marty's so much older than I am. So when I was in high school or well, still in diapers, he was already serving in the army. It is, it is literally true. I was jumping out of planes while he was jumping off the school bus. Airbone. Wow. Marty, you don't look that old. So uh, tell us about your story, Marty. Where are you from? What led you to join the military? Yeah, so uh, first off, just like just like James said, it's an honor to be here. We're we're on the one of the best podcasts about coffee that I've ever heard about and you've you've had rangers on before you had um uh oh gosh i'm having a brain fart live uh what's will his willis. name just start the show uh, will willis yes will willis yes he's uh, yeah, yeah. He's a third ranger back i saw he was that. a ranger but then he went to the air force uh pararescue which the is last ten years of his. yeah he, but i mean it's uh yeah so so we're like uh, second round draft picks. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> uh, now he's awesome. So uh, we're excited to be here. My story, I grew up, I'm from San Antonio, not far from you. I grew up in a, I say San Antonio, but those that know, know I'm from, I grew up in Converse, Texas. Uh, so you probably know where that is, JR. Yeah. Uh, and my family's still there. So we're all, we're all from uh, San Antonio and I joined the military because one, I was just kind of, I was goofing off. If I'm being honest, I was wasting my parents' money and I knew I needed to do something. So we joined the military and I didn't really realize what I was doing. I, I mean, I realized what I was doing. I was joining the military, but I didn't realize kind of what I was becoming a part of. And James, unfortunately, he keeps hearing these stories from me over and over, but I joined the military Um to prove people wrong, right? Because people join, people were saying, especially me, I was this preppy kid, and they go, "Oh, you can't be a you can't be a you can't be a ranger uh, because you're preppy, because you're Mexican, because you're this." So it was about self proving others wrong, and then finally, it got to a point where it became less about myself and more about selfless service and serving others. And that's the point where it stopped being a job and began my profession and my career. 
And about that point, I realized this is the life for me. I, my calling is to serve uh, God and country, to serve my countrymen and to serve the people to my left and right of me. You know, I'm going to have to, I just have to pick on you because you said some things that were very disturbing. <laughs> First off, you said that you were preppy and Mexican. I know, right? Dangerous. I, 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 and I know you're a little older than I am. Not much, but I know you're a little older than I am. Oh, he's older than you too? And Mexican. Oh. I, I, listen, I don't know any Mexicans that grew up in South Texas that weren't like hicks. It, it, you know, it was, ropers it and wranglers. <laughs> it wasn't until I started going to, uh, I started going to a school over in the Alamo Heights area. Um, and, then, uh, and then from there. You know Niner? I went to a Castle Hills First Baptist. Okay. And, uh, and so we were in that area. And <laughs> then we moved to, um, then we moved to Waco, which became like the, kind of like, the redneck 90210 of the time. Uh, <laughs> I guess we definitely can explain it. So, well, yeah. We have something in common. In high school, they called me 90210 because I brought the sideburns in from the yeah. show. But even then, Preppy then was still wearing Justin Ropers, you know, <laughs> and just a fancier shirt, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was – so I was a poor kid. I went to Central Catholic Marianist High School yeah. with a bunch of rich kids. And, uh, I mean, the polos and the nice cars. And I drove a 1962 um, Plymouth Sport Fury four-door that was so faded that it looked pink in color. Nice. And, uh, and I had to park it on the hill so that I could roll down and start it because they didn't always want to start. And, you know, these are guys driving jacked-up Jeeps and, uh, you know, spiders and all kinds of you know, nice cars, man. I was, I was not, not in that click, but we, I was the same way. You know, my family went to, <laughs> uh, we went to Castle Hills, you know, we used to play you guys in, in soccer. Um, and, uh, but yeah, my, the, the scene from any movie that I resonate with resonates with me the most is by far uh, the karate kid. When, <laughs> uh, when they're pushing the, uh, the station wagon with all the other kids at the, uh, at the, uh, at the park that, and it, cause it was kind of a true story that happened to me. You probably remember this, Jared, the, uh, uh, the castle and Malibu, uh, uh, speedway. Yeah. So that, yeah, was, yeah. that was kind of like my scene there, you know, kind of hanging out with those kids and, and our car literally was a, was like a 67 Nova with bullet holes. You know, I was getting bust into that side of town. From Converse nice. because they were trying to get me out of uh, the bad crowd I was in in Judson. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's uh, when when I was Karate up. Kid. You can everybody can relate to that movie, Karate Kid, right? There's a oh, couple everybody. scenes. There's a couple scenes in there that remind me of my life and my childhood, right? With with a with the uh, when they were Johnny was chasing uh, you know Danny or Dan, Daniel through the field with uh, dressed as a skeleton for Halloween and stuff. And he's about <laughs> to get his butt kicked. That was my scene, except I wasn't Johnny. <laughs> oh man, I was like, golly, but you know, that's that's good. Now that I, I got the backstory, so now I've got some more ammunition for our show 
when <laughs> Marty starts acting up, I'm gonna have to start bringing up scenes from the Karate Kid. Thank you. Castle Golf and Games. That was the name of it in San Antonio. Castle Golf and Games. Yeah, I went. We went back like, I guess two years ago. I saw. I think it's shut down, right? Oh yeah, it's all it's all shut down. Yeah, a buddy of mine actually bought some of the cars, the Virage, the the bigger cars. But they, yeah, they got rid of all of it. That's a shame because that was a pretty cool. Um, you know, yeah, it was. It was like the closest thing I've ever seen to that uh, that thing they had there in the Karate Kid, where you could go drive cars and play games and putt putt. Yeah. They had the bumper boats that you get in the water and yeah. and drive the bumper boats and all that all that crazy. Do that and then go across the uh, go across. Uh, what was it? Sixteen oh four, where you go across, and they had the uh, all the movies over there too. Where my cousins used to work because they were down there, at uh, they went to Holmes. So okay. Well, when I was in high school, everything north, or I guess on I-10, everything uh, west of 1604 was just nothing. There was nothing yeah. there except the Dominion way out there. Yeah. And so we would go out there, and I used to actually hunt illegally out there uh, back in those days with a with a 22 Hornet. I go back there, and I had a deer blind, and I had feed, and I was really mad when Bass Pro bought that piece of property. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> There was a, you know, there's a base right there. Um, it's called, um, oh man, what is that base? Camp, Camp Bullets. Yeah. So in the 50s, Camp Bullets did uh, experiments with whitetail deer and mule deer, and they crossbred them. And what they came up with was these monster whitetails. And so the first buck I ever shot was a four pointer out there. It was a call buck, uh, but it took three of us to load him in the truck. <laughs> I mean, he had a little ugly, you know, that was the problem is they, you either got these monster white tails or you got these weird, you know, uh, nasty, uh, uh, three eyed fish kind of deer, genetically deficient deer. <laughs> and so anyway, so guys, let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, the way you guys, you obviously met when you were active duty, but then you didn't see each other forever. And, and now you have a business together. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, whoever wants to go first, how you transition. I know Marty, you just retired. So, you know, that wasn't that long ago, but, but uh, I know James, you, you, you separated a while back and, and let's talk a little bit about that transition uh, kind of leading up to what you're doing. Well, let, let me back up before we do that. You guys were Rangers. I mean, how exciting is being army Rangers you know, and so let's talk about being an Army Ranger for a little bit. Let's talk about your military service. So, yeah, so I didn't really like I knew what a Ranger was because I've read all the Vietnam alert books and all this stuff. But I don't think I fully appreciated what I was getting myself into, per se, you know, the community that I was joining. Um, because. I was literally 18 years old and, you know, I volunteered, I'm going, I'm going infantry and the, uh, you know, the classic, the RI lied to me story that that's this guy, you know, he's like, you're going airborne to Fort Ord, seventh ID. I mean, you know, airborne units out there, <laughs> you know, so I get to replacement center 30th AG. If you're uh, in the army infantry guys. And so basically Fort Benning, school for wayward boys and the uh the guy's like you're doing what no 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 there's no airborne units out there and they were, unfortunately i wasn't the only one 
there was a cohort of it, like my entire platoon of us, you know? And so um, what happened, what happened was in walks in, I think he was like a, a corporal or maybe an E5, a sergeant. And he walks in, starches and spits, black beret. And he goes, all right, listen up. We're looking for some volunteers. And uh, we're looking for some people who want to be rangers. I'm like, finally, yes. So like everybody had volunteered to be a ranger. Um, that's where it kind of started. I didn't know what I was getting myself into because, because they had so many the drill sergeant took it upon himself to start the weeding out process, if you will. So uh, he would, he would go, where are all my ranger wannabes? And then we would go over and he would show us extra curricular <laughs> activity love. Um, and then people would just started dropping out of that ranger contract right then and there. So by the time we got to actually to airborne school, there was like a handful of us. And then after that, by the time we got to ranger selection, because I went, I had to go through Ranger, uh, Ranger indoctrination program, which is now the Ranger selection program. Only two of us graduated out of like the original hundred people. Um, wow! And so it was, it was definitely different. And then, then you're like, yeah, I get my black beret. I'm going in. I'm going to do. No, no, no. The, the fun is just beginning. You're bottom of the totem pole, the FNG friggin' new guy. And, <laughs> You got you got all sorts of stuff, and then I was because I was so tiny, I was so I was so skinny. They uh, they continued to feed me and feed me to feed me to get some muscle on me. But I'm I'm glad that I did it because starting off in Ranger Battalion and Ranger Regiment really set me up for who I am today. We had a we had earlier this month we had a Sergeant Major uh, retired Mike Hall on there. And it was funny because I tell James, I've been public speaking forever. I've been doing these shows. You know, I don't get nervous. Sergeant Major Hall is coming. I'm like, God, I feel like I'm a freaking E2 again. And here comes first sergeant. And I was like, why am I nervous? Can he push ups or, or can he? I don't know. I don't want to test it. But, uh, but you know, just those guys, you know, he was there with General McChrystal. Or he was there when 9-11 happened and President Bush of all the people asked Sergeant Major, you know, hey, are, are you ready for this? Are you ready to go? And Sergeant Major said, yes. Of all the people, you know, there's this guy. He was my first sergeant that I grew up with, you know, admiring. So that was that's kind of my entry into uh, the Ranger life of, you know, shoot, move, communicate, 100% and then some, and then just the brotherhood. And that's why, you know, James and I are so honored that uh, – that we get to give back to uh, the Three Rangers Foundation, which is a transition assistance program for Ranger Regiment guys that are getting out. So it's kind of like, you know, you got Soldier for Life, you've got all these other programs. This is another program that's specifically designed for 75th Ranger Regiment and their family too, so they can transition and um, transform for that next uh, objective. That's awesome. Um I don't know what happened to James. He his camera disappeared. Yeah, I'm still here. My my camera is probably you got tired of seeing my face. You got tired um, of hearing Chuck. <laughs> hold on, let me see if I can get this thing. It's something going on with my computer for some reason. Hold on. No, you look good, bro. I like it. Go ahead. Hey. <laughs> Better. 
Good story, bro. Keep it up. Hey, I know. I can't. I can't write this, can I? Um, now I'm muted. <laughs> now we can hear you. So James, yeah, right, there, there we go. You are. Hey, man, look at that. So you know, my story is a lot different than Marty. So for myself, it was just about. Uh, originally, I wanted to go into the Air Force. Just being transparent, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, and. You know, Top Gun had came out. I was thinking about going to the Navy, of course, you know. So I'm thinking, you know, I want to be top, you know, Tom Cruise. Little did I know he's like four foot nothing. But anyway, bottom line is I, I just wanted to be I wanted to do something. And if I go at go in something, I wanted to go all in. I just didn't want to be and I'm not knocking anybody else. But for me, I knew that I had to get all in and get um, get to the point where. I was actually doing some of the things that you see, you know, that people sing cadence about, right? No one, no one ever sings cadence about, um, you know, a tanker or do they, they might have a marching cadence, but anyway, bottom line is I wanted to do that. A big fat tanker. Where have you been? But that's us making fun of them. That's usually a, you know, somebody. Oh yeah. Anyway, but you know, so that's how it came for me. So I, you know, what happened for myself was, uh, I took the AFL QT, which is the air force, uh, Air Force test to get in as a pilot. The year that I took the exam, there was 550 too many applicants. I say too many applicants because those basically 550 people scored higher than me and they got picked before I did. <laughs> so anyway, uh, as I was walking out of the ROTC building, this voice came across and he said, hey, Bone, come over here. And it was Master Sergeant um, John Torrey. And, you know, he's uh, he's got his black beret on. I mean, he just looked like he could – I mean, he just looked – and, you know, just like a badass. Right. And I was like, OK, if I'm going to go in, that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, long story uh, shorter, um, I went in, got commissioned. I actually joined uh, the National Guard first. So I actually did go in. Uh, they did give me promoted to E5, but I really don't count that. But anyway, I do have a Mustang identifier, but I'm not a real Mustang. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Uh, long story longer. I went in and I said, look, if I'm going to get uh, assigned for the infantry, because I actually got branch detailed. So I got slapped twice in the face. You know, I got originally I got 11 alpha, which is the infantry officer. And then I got branch, branch detail. Branch detailed is where the first four years you serve in one. It's three to four years, depending on the uh, branch. Uh, you serve in that basic capacity as that um, as your expertise. For me, it was 11 alpha. So infantry officer. So after that three and a half year mark, I had to transition into a 25 alpha uh, signal officer. So I went and what they want to do is, you know, how there's a pyramid going into the military, you know, as far as rank structures and everything. So a lot of times with a lot of the MOSs, they don't need a bunch of signal lieutenants, second lieutenants. But we always need a bunch of infantry lieutenants. Right. So anyway, I signed up for that. Well, I got picked for that because I don't know. But anyway, I got picked at the ROTC for that and then went in as 11 Alpha. So for me, I went to Ranger School, right? So I had to have something before I showed up to my unit as some type of uh, certification, leadership certification, just so they know that I wasn't uh, just an ordinary second lieutenant. So when you go to your – if you're an infantry officer or a branched armored or some kind of combat arms MOS and you show up to your unit without a Ranger tab – you're pretty much your career is already starting pretty, pretty bad unless you have something else that you can bring to it. Like, you know, you were a prior service and you were, you know, went to, you know, 
regiment or something like that. But for myself, I needed to have Ranger School just to prove to myself that and to the, you know, to my um, platoon that I had what it took to be there with them because they had a lot more experience than I did. So really, that's where where that came in. Um, as far as after that, um, for myself, that's where we separated. So I was either going to go to Ranger Regiment. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Or I wanted to go to Special Forces. And uh, long story longer, uh, it wasn't meant to be. I ended up getting an ultimatum from my, uh, from my ex-wife. And I got out of the military. And then I went to become a North Carolina State Trooper. So I ended up being a North Carolina State Trooper here in North Carolina. Man, that's crazy. Both of y'all have pretty uh, incredible stories. You know, the funny thing about the Air Force deal is my dad was an Air Force crypto tech in the 50s. He was he did a bunch of uh, CI, a bunch of counterintelligence stuff in Turkey. And um, and, you know, it's politically incorrect nowadays. But back in those days, they called them spooks. They were spooks. Mm -hmm. If they were intelligence stuff, doing stuff mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, they were called spooks. And so my dad was a spook in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And um, and then his the, the his my uncle, who we just buried last week, was his youngest brother. And he followed his footsteps, went in his crypto tech in the Air Force, spent uh, like two years in Laos or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and everybody in the military knows what Laos was all about. Um, and uh, but they were both they both did the same thing. And so growing up, I had these two iconic men in my life. And uh, I mean, they, they they were they almost walked on water, you know, and uh, they probably argued that they did. But but they uh, so I had no I mean, from a little kid when I was little, I was going Air Force. I was going to go crypto tech. And I was going to go around the world like they did and spy on people and do all kinds of neat stuff. Right. And so in 1989, when I graduated, there was a freeze on recruiting from the Air Force. And so I did the depth thing, delayed entry. And then my recruiter said, just come by every Friday after school mm -hmm. uh, until until they, they fix this, whatever it is. It's not going to be long. So at, at that time in San Antonio, all of the branches, the recruiters were all at in a building right across from MEPS. Now, I don't know if you remember that, Marty, but they were downtown right right across from the Market Square. All the recruiters were in that one building. And so I went I went there one Friday, and, and like, everything was out. The lights were out. The door was closed, you know, and I, and I walked up there, and, like, my heart sunk. Like, man, I, you know, I just want to go to the military. I'm almost out of money. I don't have a job, you know, and uh, I got to go. And so I turned around, and there's this Navy, this old Navy guy, and uh, if I ever saw him again, I'd punch him in the nose. But <laughs> he was sitting in the doorway smoking a cigarette inside the building. You know, he goes, you know, we offer everything the Air Force has. You know, and I'm like, really? Well, you got crypto? He goes, yeah, yeah, we, we, we got crypto. We got crypto. You know, we got everything, you know. And so anyway, I, I was like, look, man, I'm out of money, dude. I need to go. Let's get this going. And so uh, that was the best and the worst day of my life because the military was the greatest thing uh, in my young life that helped me. Uh, but it was also the worst day of my life because I had to go home and tell my dad and my uncle who were always together. It was like they were inseparable. And so I knew that when I got home that day uh, that they were both going to be there because they were my uncle was at the dad's house. He was at our house every Friday because I wanted to get a report on what the recruiter said, you know. And so I had to come home. And let me tell you, man, I circled that block about five times trying to figure out how I was going to explain to them how I was leaving for maybe boot camp and uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but uh, 
you know, they, it's kind of weird stuff with the Air Force, but it's, you know, I know all of us have a, a crazy story, but, and that's not really so crazy, but my wife says, you know, that's such a unique thing. You should tell that more often because how many people didn't go to the Air Force because they were shut down for however long it was, you know? It was hard to get in the Air Force for a little for a hot minute there. I mean, I like I said, I yeah. tried to get in as a pilot. I could have went as a like a SP or something like that, but that's not what I wanted to do. But yeah, you know, like you, I had the same situation. I had to drive home and tell my dad, my mom. You know, my mom was the one that run run the house. You know, she's about you know five foot tall, but she's the she's the uh, <laughs> she's the one that you're intimidated when you walk in that door. And I I can remember coming in and said I joined the army, and she's like, "You hotel what?" I was like, you know, she, she started going off on me and, uh, you know, she said, okay. And then, uh, you know, cause at the time I was, you know, Marty and I have something else similar. I don't in, in you know, I, I, in high school, I, I would, I briefly mentioned this earlier and I think we were on clubhouse together, but, uh, actually won uh, most fashionable best dress in my high school. So for me to, to be that come from that, I wore a pair of jeans one day my whole entire senior year. You know, I wore one a pair of jeans once. Everything else was suit, ties, you know, pants, dress pants, and everything else. And my mom's like, "You don't like to get dirty." I was like, "I know," but uh, you know, I somehow has managed to to get through the uh, through all that stuff. And she's like, "You don't like bugs. You don't like rats. You don't like any of that stuff." I said, "Nope, don't like any of it." But you know what? Like Marty went through and just said, "You know what? This is what I'm going to do." Uh, I put my mind to it and I said, this is too easy at the time. It wasn't, but it, you know, now looking back on it, I could say it was easy. Right. So yeah. anyway, I know that a big part of uh, growing up and I don't know, uh, you know, my wife is white, so I know a little bit about her family, but you know, the Mexican culture, man, affirmation from your dad is like monumental. And, and it's probably like that in most families, but you know, in, in the, in the family, my family's been here since this was still Mexico. They, they decided to stay here. They didn't want to go back across the Rio Grande. And so they were the first true Texians, you know, the Texas Mexicans. And so we have a long history of people who served in the military. Uh, we have a great, great uncle that was in World War One in the Army. We have several, I want to say like eight or nine that were in World War II, uh, probably a dozen or so that went to Vietnam, uh, Korea, and so on. And so it was never, uh, was never ever a, a second question in my mind that I was going to serve. I just didn't know, you know, I, I thought I was going to go serve in the air force, you know, like dad and my uncle did. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's crazy how, how things, you know, happen, but it, the thing when you get the, the dress thing, dude, that's just, yeah, I mean, I'm, hey, you know, that, you know, Marty and I, we, we got this thing and we talk about it. And my dad actually taught me growing up. He said, hey, look, you know, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes the bear gets you, but, but always dress for the hunt, right? So if you go in, and this is part of our mantra now, you know, if you go in owning the room with confidence, and confidence starts with how you appear, your appearance, right? It doesn't have to be a physical, because we all know that I'm better looking than Marty. So, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's more about the confidence. When I come in, I'm wearing a suit. I'm wearing a tie. I'm wearing a, you know, a handkerchief. I'm wearing uh, dress pants. I'm wearing dress shoes. I'm owning that room. I'm coming in there. And not only are we owning the room, we're wearing camouflage. Why do we wear camouflage? You, you know why we wear camouflage? Well, I would say that that's probably a tie back to your military service. 
it's it's in it's in honor of the folks that came before us, right? And uh, for the ones that are in now, we would never wear a pattern that's being used now. You know, that's not our style. Our style is, hey, look, BDU pattern. Guess what? The BDU pat pattern, the woodland pattern, pattern is the only pattern that was worn by every branch of service. So we do it as a sign of respect, and uh, and then ultimately it's a conversation piece, right? We walk in the room, we demand your attention because it's going to happen. So that anyway. is, and you know who taught me that? Marty. Marty. You know why he taught me? Because he's the master of he is all the Moak, knowledge. The master of all knowledge. He's the Moak. Right. He is, man. I'm telling you, we went to, uh, I told him I was going to embarrass him. We went to DC, went up to DC and we were at the Harbor. What Harbor was that Marty? Uh, National Harbor. National Harbor. That thing. Right. So we come to a restaurant. He's like, look, he nope. said, you know, started, what? started at the bridge. You go, you, you tell him you do it so much better than I do. It's a true story though. Okay. I'm saying started at the bridge because as we were crossing the Potomac on the bridge, I was explaining to James that all too often people tell they're the first ones to tell themselves no. Right. There are so many people, and I mentioned this before, there are so many people in the world that are going to tell you no, or going to tell you why you can't do something, because you're Mexican, because you're black, because you're female, because you're whatever. Don't be the first to stand in that line and tell yourself no. You need to walk in like you own the place, and you need to command the attention that you, that you deserve. And so... So that's kind of the short of the, the of the uh, the discussion that we had. But then we we check into the hotel room. I mean, uh, we check them into the hotel room. Then we go get dinner. And as we're there, it's hilarious because as we walk in to the um, to this Mexican restaurant, bigger in Dallas, it says up there, fully booked, not taking any reservations, um, pretty much go away. And James said, all right, well, I guess we're doing Subway. And I said, no, we're not. We're going to eat here. He's like, what? And so literally, he's already about to walk out the door when he turns around. And I'm like, James, come on. I got us a seat over here. Like, like that fast. Why? Well, because I wasn't, I didn't take no for an answer. I just said, hey, I'm going to go sit at the bar. I'm going to go, go over there. I'm going to go find an area where I can sit with my buddy who I haven't seen him forever. We're going to have dinner here. And what winded up happening is not only did we get a seat, but we got the best seat in the entire restaurant outside overlooking the entire Harbor. And James is still sitting there with his mouth. Just like what just happened? And I was like, what do we just talk about, dude? It, you were the, you told yourself no before they even had a chance to say anything. I didn't do that. I just walked in and said, Hey, I'm going to go look over here. I'm going to go find a seat and I'm going to go talk to somebody. And they said, okay. So that's, that's the story. Not, not only did we have a seat, we had the best seat in the whole place and overlooking, overlooking the national Harbor and like, <laughs> like the best seat there, it was on the terrace and everything. I was like, so we just went from not from about to eat at subway, not, no pun against, you know, no, no shade against subway. We were about to go to subway Instead, the next thing I know, we're sitting eating at this restaurant and he said that we were going to do. And, you know, how many times have we done this in anything in life? You know, we just say, hey, we we get to somebody and they say no. 
And, you know, a lot of times we get to that first no, it's not even a decision maker. It's just some somebody that really has no authority, no say-so whatsoever, and we take that for as gospel, right? And, you know, another person that helps me with that is my wife. She's the one, you know, she kind of chipped away at me because I'm very – I don't know how you are, JR, but I'm like when somebody tells me no, I stop. That's how I used to be. And when somebody say, hey, no – Okay, that means I'm not supposed to have this. That means it's a no. That means no, no. And here's the thing. No, in certain situations, absolutely. But we're talking about like in just like in this, you know, getting a seat here. They basically didn't want to be harassed or bothered by anyone else walking in. And Marty just walked in like he owned the place, which he did. And finally find out, you know, he just walked in and he just said, hey, look, I'm going to go there and do that. And next thing I'm sitting down and eating. But, you know. For me, I'm usually the person that stops. I get I get that warm, like, nah, you probably this isn't what you want to do, and then I stop. But in, you know, that's why I, you know I appreciate Marty's friendship because I got to eat well that night. Well, it reinforces. <laughs> so, um, so I get this example, which is basically the exact same thing we just talked about, but I never had like a way to put it into like an analogy until I was at U.S. Army Europe, and then Lieutenant General Ben Hodges. Uh, he was our commander, our CG. He told us the, the story of the uh, of the Rottweiler and the Chihuahua, or Chihuahueno. Uh, he's basically, <laughs> as you're walking through life, people are going to tell you no. What you need to realize is it a, is it a Chihuahua, or is it a Rottweiler? If it's a Chihuahua, keep going. And then once you get to the Rottweiler, pause. See if he's tied. Is he tied up? Is he going to pose me? Okay, maybe I need to stop. Or can I get around? Can I fix and bypass this? Because there's going to be three foot walls all over, all around life. So how do you just get over or get around those three foot walls? So, you know, I, I think that's really, it's interesting that you say that, James, because I, I grew up the same way. I grew up really poor and uh, my dad worked three jobs, you know, uh, three full-time jobs and I still don't know how he did it. I know that he did it. Um, and so we had just enough, you know, and he killed himself to make sure that me and my sister went to private Catholic mil. Well, I went to private Catholic military school from kinder till I, till I, till my sophomore year in high school, my sister just went to private Catholic school, but you know, that it cost a lot of money. It was $1,200 a, a semester back then. Uh, now it's like 15,000 a year or something yeah. like that. But, but he, he killed himself for us to go to, you know, to do something for us to be able to have that. And so I grew up, if somebody said no, I'm like, well, yeah, cause I mean, I'm not, I'm not even in that class, right. you know, I don't belong there. And so, you know, with my, we talked about it earlier today, but I have, I've had three failed businesses and part of that, part of the problem with that was that scarcity mindset, that poverty mindset that you tell yourself, you know, I don't, I don't really have a, a, a chair at this table, you know, but that's one of the things that I have fortunately had great people around me uh, over the last several years. And uh, that's no longer, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm a lot more like if somebody says no, I'm like, well, why, how do we make this work? How can I make this work? How can I earn your business? You know, let's get past the no and uh, and let's get on to how do I do I get past the no, you know, and, and it's a mindset thing, man. It's totally like you have to create space in your brain, you know, to tell yourself, OK, I'm going to make space for this because this is what I'm going to do. 
And, you know, I think in this, in this case of the dog, you know, I would probably look at ways to get around him or, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to grab that Chihuahua and I'm going to feed him to the Rottweiler and I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you, you know, figure, you got to figure that out. And everyone, you know, there's a, a book came out in the eighties called um, getting to yes. And everybody was reading this book on negotiations about getting to yes, getting to yes. And then, uh, uh, you know, recently, <laughs> recently being the last five years or so, Chris Voss, you know, his book never split the difference and great book. I love it because that was my whole job. And one of my jobs in the military was uh, negotiations. And he talks about, yeah, that's good. It's a good book, but it doesn't always work. Never split the differences, the, the titles, because he was a hostage negotiator. So you really can't split the difference because that difference is a, is a hostage. So they're going to be dead. Right. <laughs> so, um, he talks about get to the first no, because if, if you know James and I are in a negotiation, he's defensive. Letting him get his no out actually starts to decrease his defenses. And so that's that part of, okay, how can I work? How can I figure out how I'm going to get them to yes by getting through a no first? And that's where he goes through all these different techniques of mirroring labeling it's the same thing and it's it's very similar to kind of what we're doing in marketing how do you make it about um how do you make it about your customer how do you make it about your client how do you make it about the person you're talking to so they feel that they're special they are and, and they are special but how do you make them feel that an emotion and so there's a lot of that I and mean, we just getting the table it wasn't about me going hey i need that table i wouldn't have got anything it was just me saying Hey, I got my buddy here from DC, my ranger buddy. I, I mean, he's in from uh, he's out of town. I haven't seen him in forever. That is an amazing table. Can I get some drinks there? Uh, sure, you can get some drinks there. Okay, and uh, I'm gonna order some appetizers. Okay, okay, cool. Next thing I know, we're having enchiladas. So, uh, which are not appetizers. <laughs> he told me they had the best avocado dip, and it was not that great that night. Just saying. Man, did you say this was in DC? Yeah, because yeah. my cousins were in Alexandria when I was stationed in Virginia and we would go up to the Alexandria for the weekend. And there was like this one Mexican restaurant in all of D.C. that was owned by people from San Antonio. Is that place really? still there? I don't know. I'm going to look for it now. Though. He'll look for it now. He'll find out for sure. We yeah. do have a uh, we do have a uh, it's pricey, but we do have a Texas barbecue place. And it's funny because, you know. Um, I went to uh, college at uh, Southwest Texas, now Texas State, Switzu. Um, but all around there is Luling and all, you know, all these little uh, Lockhart, you know, Buda, all these signs that you don't really see anywhere else unless you're from that, that very specific part of <laughs> the country. So I walk into this place in D.C. and I'm like, wait a minute, my people. And so, I mean, and it's, <laughs> It's good barbecue, man. It's, I mean, I don't know where they're getting post oak at, but I ain't complaining. But that's probably why it's expensive. I mean, you're going to drop it <laughs> on a family trip, but it's pretty good. I'll, I haven't found I'll, next, next. I'll tell you a really quick, funny. Uh, when we were, we were decomming my ship, we were selling it to the Thai or leasing it to the Thai Navy uh, when we were in Ingleside. And so they had already moved on to the ship and we had already moved on to base housing. And, uh, 
And this kid that was on the ship, man, you know, his girl would pick him up. And uh, it's kind of hard not to see because it's such a tiny base. You know, we always see him. And, uh, and you know, he wasn't a bad-looking kid. He was young. You know, we were all young, and we, we had a steady job, right? And so, he, you know, he came back after a weekend, and we decided we were going to have a talk with him, you know, because, you know, part of the problem when you move into a town like that where it's the first time the military's been in Ingleside, Texas, ever, is you have people that want to latch on to the military guys just because they want that money. And so we're like, hey, bro, listen, man, you know, you're not a bad-looking dude, and, uh, you know, you could probably do a little bit better, man. And he starts cracking up, you know. I mean, he's like on the floor rolling. And I'm like, dude, it's not that funny, man. You know, these girls are out to get your money. He's like, bro, the only reason I'm with this girl is because her parents own a Mexican restaurant. I'm going to learn how to make breakfast tacos. And I'm going back to Ohio. And I'm going to open up a little food truck. And I'm going to make a million bucks. And uh, so that's exactly what he did. And uh, he stayed with her. He learned how to make Mexican food. And then uh, when, our, when we actually decommed, uh, he left a couple of days before, didn't say a word. I mean, that girl was up at the front gate looking for him, you know, and uh, he went back to, somebody said they saw him in Ohio that he had a little taco stand. So <laughs> I guess, I guess he's doing all right, but that's awesome. That's, that's just, you know, typical anyway. Um, so let's talk about uh, what you guys are doing now, because you, you had this incredible story. Both of you do, you know, um, not everybody, you know, I, my, my military time was really boring and, uh, I, um, uh, I made enough money. I've separated it into 14 envelopes. So I have enough to go to the yen club every night. And, uh, it was a bad month when I had to use money for something else, uh, you know, cause it was like a whole day or two that I couldn't drink. And, uh, and so, um, uh, you know, that was it. I mean, I, we, we did drug ops uh, down in Matsalan, close to Matsalan with the Coast Guard. That was cool because the Coasties, as much as we pick on them, they have got some killer frigging ships. Uh, I mean, they literally can float on top of the water, man, smoking at jet speed. And then, and then we, went to, uh, we went up to Canada, uh, which was cool. Uh, we went up to uh, for the Portland Rose Festival. There was some cool things. But we were scheduled to go overseas when the first Gulf War started. And we got about halfway from San Diego to Hawaii, and our ship broke down. And so we were closer to Hawaii. So we're up, the, the scuttlebutt on the boat was like, hey, it's cool, man. They're going to tow us into Hawaii. We're going to stay there for a couple of weeks. We're going to fit the ship, and then we're going to go. And so uh, that didn't happen. They sent out ocean-going tugs. They latched onto us with chains, and they drug us back into Long Beach, and we stayed at Long Beach for the next year doing refit it was absolutely miserable and uh meanwhile so god works meanwhile i was supposed to do a deck swap with a guy who just got married and his wife was pregnant and the day before they shipped out they pulled my my request they said no you're staying with us well it turns out that the ship that took our place was the it was uh the barbie i think the barbie um and they went over there and got hit by mine and like seven wow. people died on the ship. And so, you know, uh, there's a reason for everything. Absolutely. But but I, even me with my boring life in the military, didn't do anything, wasn't exciting at all. Uh, I got out and then it was probably 10 years before I realized that I didn't, I, I had a lot of trouble transitioning. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know 
that I was having trouble transitioning until I got to, to this job with the NSA and this guy, who's a full bird retiree army. Uh, what is it? The little castle. What are they? Engineer. 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 Uh, he was a, a full bird retiree combat veteran. And he's like, dude, he goes, do you not realize how much trouble you had transitioning? You moved jobs every two years. Right. Until you got here. And I stayed there for 10 years, uh, which tells you that, you know, I finally found a place that was much like the military. Uh, but what does that look for? I mean, how did you guys get from there to where you're at now? Did you have difficulty with that? For Marty, I can answer for Marty if he wants me to. But Marty's still working through that. Let's be honest, right? Marty uh, is still transitioning out of the military as far as when it comes to – he. we had to have a heart-to-heart conversation because, you know – we look at folks that have been in the military as superheroes, right? Because, you know, tip of the spear, uh, those type of folks. So, I, you know, Marty and I were just sitting around. I said, Marty, dude, you're not, you're not that dude anymore. You're not Superman any longer. I remember when you were, but that's not who you are now. And, you know, that's where, that's where, that's where the buddy system comes real key, right? And that's really what it's about for the transition. I, you know, my personal opinion – I had a horrible transition as well. And the reason why my transition was bad is because I walked away from active duty, missing a little bit more than I joined the National Guard trying to fill the void. So I, I, I went on a 15-year journey trying to fill that void that I never could get filled, to be honest. Um, because when you're in, you know, like Marty, Ranger Regiment, 82nd, 101st, uh, 10th Mountain, who am I missing? You know, 25th, you know, you're, you're used to, you know, being treated like a superhero, right? You're a superhero, especially if you're a, you know, infantry person. I don't say infantryman anymore because it's infantry person, right? So basically bottom line is you're the tip of the spear and you are Superman. You are Wonder Woman. You are Clark Kent and you're all those things. And what happens is it's taken away from you and your identity is almost ripped away from you to a certain degree. And if you don't have those mechanisms, those coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms, the mentors or the buddies to lean upon that's been through that before that transition, you're going to struggle. And, you know, and it's a daily struggle with us. We wake up every morning. I wake up every morning. I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, I like myself at least once. Say, hey, I like you, because if you don't start your day with that, who's going to tell you they like you? Right. But anyway, for it's, it's been a long process. We still are a work in progress. And that's the key. That's what makes us so good as far as we can relate to everyone else out here is because we've been you, we are you, we're still going through our transformation, our transform, you know, transition. Um, but anyway, I know the Moax got something. I could see it coming. He's got some uh, good firepower to come in. Now, I, was, I was just going to say, I just, I just want to know one thing, but James, do you wear Moax underwear? You know, it's funny that you say that because we are, because of help to somebody that I know by the name of JR, we do have a Moac line of coffee that's coming out. So the next thing, our next stop is we're going to talk to these guys and make some uh, some tidy whities or maybe some Ranger pennies that say Moac. Yeah. Uh, some Ranger pennies, that'd be better. I can, I can <laughs> keep them. Now, as to, um, in the words of uh, Samuel Jackson, allow me to retort. Uh, <laughs> I disagree with 70% of what James just said. All right. And here's why. Your transition, JR, your transition, James, out of the military, for the most part, 
was 100% successful. Whether you believe it or not, your transition out of the military was successful. I still have a hand receipt. This has my the, name on it. the transition, that's why I didn't say 100%. The <laughs> transition is, if you reverse it, when you came in the military, when you went to MEPS, you went through your process, you went through and you got to your replacement center, you went through your central, uh, your CIF, where we got your boots and your camis. That is a transition from civilian to military. The transformation is once you get the drill instructor, drill sergeant in your face, knife handing you, the shark attack going around. That's when your brain housing group goes, okay, this is real. What's happening? Something's going on, right? That's the transformation. That's when you move, you start going from civilian to military, right? Going out of the military, your transition, you went through some classes. It's better than when you got out, JR, and better when James got out. Now that I'm doing it, it's only going to get better and better. But the transition is they did the paperwork to get you out of the military, do your VA claim, whether you did it or not. That part was pretty much okay. The transformation, your progression, your evolution from military to the CivDiv, as Doc Eric Wright says um, in his book, How to Speak uh, Civilian Fluently, that's where we're messed up. That's where we probably need the most help. How do I transition and transform and progress? That's something that uh, my ranger buddy Lamont Christian always talks about because we don't, we don't say post-traumatic stress disorder. Because if I say you got PTSD, I'm already putting a label on you. I'm already telling you have a disorder. No, bro, you've got post-traumatic stress. Our next step is to focus on post-traumatic growth. How do you grow? How do you progress, right? Because a progression, after your transformation, a progression goes up, upward and onward. Whereas you just don't want to stay flatlined if you consider on that transformation. So that's where we need the most help. And that's where James and I, that's why we started Lounge with Legends, to bring in people from all walks of life. We don't want to bring in just rangers and generals and jockos and all these awesome dudes. We want to bring in also people that people like you know, James and I, where they go, I can connect with those guys. Yeah, those, those jokers, they did it. And I see that they had a rough time. And okay. So that's why we really are working hard to bring on you know, corporals that are doing great things and uh, female veteran entrepreneurs and, you know, a colonel that maybe stumbled but then found his way. I mean, we're, we're trying to do that to show that, um, and we talked about this on Clubhouse, I think the best thing that we could do to help people with their transformation is stand in front of them and go, listen up, you're going to fail. And you're going to fail not once, not twice. You're going to fail multiple times, day in and day out. But that's okay, because to fail is your first attempt in learning. It's when you stop that you're a failure. That's when you that's when you really become a failure. You need to stop, walk around the table, find different ways to attack whatever that is. But, it, you know the biggest thing that we can help with transformation in our, in our uh, 
brothers and sisters getting out is help them get the laser focused mindset. This is part of our course. We have the lead course, lead the way course, where we talk about uh, lead, L-E-A-D, laser focused mindset. How do you set goals? We want you to set a moonshot, a big, hairy, audacious goal, and then some goals that you can achieve. And then how do you hit those goals? How do you employ your military superpowers into business success skills? I mean, just the way we've structured our digital marketing is it's military planning. I mean, it's not that hard. It's what we're doing. And it works because that's what I did in the military. I was after I couldn't kick indoors anymore and jump out of planes. I became a planner. That's what we're doing. The next thing in our course is how do you achieve speed through deliberate and decisive action? You're never going to have 100 percent. Quit waiting on it. Figure out what you need to know to make that decision action it be decisive and deliberate with your action that's how you gain speed in your workplace and then next one is dominate your market whatever it is and this works not only if you're a business owner but if, even if you're just trying to get into the business workforce you can take these skill sets and say how can i do this so that's uh that's my bit on the transformation what he said the moak dropped the mic you know, i'm he, telling he, you man he does it all the time, man. It, you know, the thing is, and it, uh, you know, it goes back to this, you know, to me, I never want to be the smartest guy in the room or person in the room. Right. So that's why I dubbed him the Moak. So he'll always be smarter than me in the room. Right. So I'm always learning from Marty. You know, the thing is, that the good thing about his, he and I, our relationship is we're, we got a good mix, you know, it's, it's, Hey, we can pick on each other, but when it's time to, you know, do the job we can do our job and that's what it, it's very important to surround yourself with folks that can make you better he makes me better uh, because of him i told you earlier on clubhouse i've started reading again i read books i have more books surrounding me now than i've had in the last 15 years and it's because marty tells me to read a book yeah right? the only reason he called me the moac let's be honest i was a second lieutenant he was a first lieutenant because i was prior service i knew how to run the nine mil range you know and he was like we gotta go to range here do this there's the moac I mean, that's probably it, you know. It, you know, it, it goes to something like that. It had nothing to do with me being scared in the basement of the arms room watch, uh, playing Silent Hill. It had nothing to do with that. But, you know, <laughs> you're not up, but. Well, it is what it is. You know, that, it, that's the thing about it. And I, I see Brian uh, Gibson on here. He's asked about a nonprofit founder. I know he does uh, some stuff out of Kentucky there. Uh, I'm actually from Kentucky. My family's from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, we have the Feltz Log House out in Western Kentucky. But anyway, this message is for everyone, yeah. nonprofits, businesses, whether you're trying to find a job or not. The key is you got to produce, you got to put your position yourself as the guide to everyone's story, right? Position yourself as the guide, not the hero. And, you know, that's, that's where Marty and I can help you. We can help you do, you know, clarify your message, you know? Yeah. We, I mean, we talked about that, like even, even the tra individual transitioning veteran. Yeah. Um, in the transition, you're going to get your interview courses. You're going to get your LinkedIn courses. You're going to teach. They're going to tell you about the star technique, right? And everyone, you got to do the star technique. Okay, cool. Everyone's doing the star technique. How do you make that cooler? Learn about talking about yourself without mentioning yourself. You're talking about yourself. There's an art to that. Yeah. And that's, you know, we can, you can do that by learning uh, story brand. That's that's the name of our, that's the name of our certification authority is, is business made simple story brand, and so what James is talking about is stop talking about yourself, bro. Nobody cares. I don't care about Jr. and his coffee. 
I do, but I'm just saying for an example. Uh, I don't care about that. I see Frank's on. I don't. I don't care about. I don't care about Frank and why he came up with his, you know, marine eating crayons. I want to know how's that crayon going to make me feel. How's that coffee going to make me feel? Make me the hero, and you have the solution to make me feel better. Figure that part out. That's what we do. You know, same thing if you're doing an individual interview. Understand, do the research. We just did an article, uh, top five business interview lessons learned from the U.S. Army Ranger School. And I broke it down super Barney style. Like like if you wanted to get a, if you wanted to get a goal in your patrol in Ranger School, (laughs) right, in swamp phase of Florida, you needed to do five things. Planning, recon, control, security, and common sense. You need the same thing going into your interview, bro. Planning. You need to figure out what's going on, who are you going to talk to, do your research, business intel, SWOT analysis, recon. Go in and do the deep dive once you get that on LinkedIn profiles and figure out, okay, what are they talking about? Can I get as much information depending on where you're going in? If you're going at a higher level, a manager level, you should be able to talk to their profit and loss statements and how you can help them. You know, that's positioning them as the hero and you, the guy that's going to help them. And then security. Did I send out the wrong or the right resume? Did I tailor my resume? Control. Be in control of the situation. You're going to you're really going to want this job. Don't lose your cool. Be like James says, the underside of that pillow. Right. Be cool. The cold Uh, side of the pillow. Nick Bear said that in his book. Go one. I think Cool Hand Luke said it, too. So he did. (laughs) Uh, um, and then common sense think about what sergeant major would tell you or gunny would tell you right right uniform right place right time that's common sense dress for the occasion and so the right equipment right so that's kind of like what i'm saying five principles of patrolling that you can apply to business every day you know so those are i mean those are things when we talked about the lead course employ your military superpowers into business skills you got to think about it. And what really helps is having having a battle buddy, a ranger buddy, a swim buddy, whatever you want to call it, a buddy, and to talk these things out. Um, and if, if that person's always, you know, inflating your ego, find a better buddy. Are you trying to get rid of me? Because your shit does stink sometimes. And you just want you want an honest broker. James what? tells me I have a terrible idea sometimes. He's, um, you know, the thing about Marty, the good thing about it, he's... You know, he didn't self, he, he earned the Moak title. He was given it. He didn't say, I am this person. He, he was given that. He earned that title. It's, it's one of those things. So I know it's kind of like, it's not about me. And he's got the Moak title, but he didn't give it to him. He, he fought me hand and two. He wanted to do arm wrestling, but he knows he's got two ruptured biceps. So you didn't arm wrestle me. But bottom line is he, you know, what he's saying is spot on. I mean, I can't say that enough. You know, I, I see some people making comments about, you know, reaching out to us. Hey, we are here. We're here to help. We can help you clarify your me- message because what you say and words matter. And then not only does the words matter, but the action that you take afterwards is so important. We can help clarify your message. And that's what our business does. We are the marketing. I don't want to say gurus. What's the word we're looking for, Marty? Guide. Gurus. The marketing guides. That's perfect. We're marketing guys. If you want, um, Go onto our page, JTF214, DM us the word lead. And then what I'll do is um, I will give you, so we've got, it's on my desk, business made simple. I'll give you a free access to the 60-day course uh, where Donald Miller, our coach, walks you through 60 days 
of lessons. And every day you're going to learn how to master leadership, sales, marketing, execution, management, personal productivity, yada, yada, yada. And he goes through this. It's, it's very similar to the course we went through. Um, we just went through the advanced level. But, you know, I'll give that to you all if you're interested in this. And it'll really help you clarify your message because that's what veterans really need right now is, is how do you make um, – how do you make a veteran more successful is give them the tools. And most of the time a veteran will figure it out. Veteran will be like, you know what? I can, I can figure this out because I put up a jungle two nine or two and got freaking HF comms or FM comms in the middle of the damn jungle. I can figure this out. Um, I, I think I was putting it in there. I think I put your, your website is ticking along the bottom. Um, so Brian, Frank, yeah. you guys reach out to these guys. I mean, they, I've been talking with Marty one-on-one -on -one quite a bit. Um, they, they know what they're talking about. I promise you, uh, you can't go wrong with these two. Um, you You're know, even I, I, so much, I, I walked away from a, a multiple territory franchise owner. I mean, I was, you know, making pretty good money uh, in the franchise world, but I walked away from that because I believe in being able to help as many people as we can. And, with Marty's help, we'll be able to help a lot more folks uh, than I was able to help in uh, my business that I had just recently closed. We're we're about to start our um, our Q4 Kickstart course. Um, we're a little bit behind, so our website we're we're totally revamping it uh, because you know sometimes you're too close to the project, and that's part of what we're learning too. Is sometimes you're too close. We're story brand guides, but you know what? What's even better? Hire somebody who can, you know, look at your stuff and redo it for you. And that's what we're doing. He's walking us through the process ourselves. So um, right now, go to our go to our Facebook page, Joint Task Force 214 or JTF 214. And um, we are about to start our Q4 Kickstart course. It's a four-week course that'll uh, get you ready for the holiday seasons for your product and services and also get you set up for success in first quarter. And what we're going to talk about it's not it's it's uh it's not it's not a guru thing you're not going to dial in and we're going to say you know come to me with your problems and we're going to solve it now if, if you really want structure that's what this is so week one we're going to talk about defining your uh defining your avatar defining your brand script and we walk with we walk everybody through there on how to do that and then how do you create your tagline how do you create your one-liner everything's in the intent is to walk you through how you can communicate more clearly um then we do, okay, now what is your website? Let's revamp your website. What would it look like? How do you increase your sales with better calls to action? Because if someone comes to your website, if you confuse, you'll lose. How do you get them laser focused on your product or service you're trying to sell? And then um, and then we get into uh, to building out a funnel and your emails, what do those look like? You know, the different types of email campaigns, the difference between your sales campaign and your nurturing campaign. What do those emails need to look like? We get into that in four week course. There is homework involved. So if you don't want to do some homework, we're not going to do it for you. It is because the price is cheap, uh, not cheap, but because it's a lower in price than what we normally charge for this. Um, it is more like a block of instruction. We're going to walk you through. We'll meet once a week, give you homework, come back, review, assess, and then help you along the way. The key when it comes to any type of it to 10 people. Though. Yeah. Oh, we Okay. Sweet. I, I can only take 10, bro. It's they, I try to over make him over deliver all the time, over promise him. But you know, the, the beauty of it is this, you know, it's just like when we were in the military, 
when a soldier came in, we trained that person to the point where they no longer needed us. If you're coming to a, a guru or a coach or a marketing person and they got to stay in your life forever, you got the wrong person. Right. We, we, you come to us, we fix your stuff, you move out and we know and you'll know how to fix your stuff without us. If we're in your life forever, unless we're just hanging out drinking beer or something, that's fine. But if we're just hanging out and we don't make your life better within a certain time frame, we're not doing our job. Our goal is we want to be a value driven professional, right? We want to be a value-driven professional that will deliver five times on what we say we can deliver. So there you go. The Moex said he could deliver five times on somebody, a return on investment. I mean, but it's funny, though, because stuff will pop in my head, and I'll text uh, I'll text JR. Hey, dude, here's a PDF you need to do. Here, I want you to do these videos. I want you to do this tagline. And um, because it'll just pop in my head because I'm like, you know, I really, I really want to see um, – your company succeed. And so we become, we become vested in what you're doing because that is now um, you, you know, you become our calling card. So if you're, if you're not hitting five times, then shit, we need to back up and figure out what, how did we fail? Kind of like when I did counseling with my soldiers as a commander, first thing I asked is how did I fail you? Why are we here doing an article 15? You know? And, and we so- know there's going to be some individuals that don't have the budget, right? To, to afford what we're doing. But what we can do is what we we're actually starting a team room, right? In the army, we call it an ORP, but you know, for, probably for military and civilian mindsets, we probably call it a team room where we, you can, we can meet once a week. You got access to the MOAC myself. We could go through your stuff, come with thick skin, right? Pay a monthly subscription and then we're out. And then we're out of your life and you've moved on and you're making money and you be, you be uh, become our biggest advocate. Cause right. If you, if you be, uh, it's kind of like Fisher of men, right? I'm a, I'm a religious person. I'm supposed to be the best worker because that's what it says in the Bible that I'm supposed to be. Right. So we're going to deliver. And if we can't deliver, we're going to find somebody who can do it for you. <laughs> if we can't do it, we'll find somebody who can. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's funny, those videos you told me to do, I looked at them. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And so immediately I wrote down, you know, the five things that I thought, why, why your coffee looks, you know, tastes like dirt. And uh, I've already got a thousand views on TikTok yeah. from those five videos. And I've already got another 10 or 15 followers. You know, the uh, TikTok, you got to get to a thousand so you can do live streams. And uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't even hit a hundred yet, but those doing those videos like that, I mean, it, you know, plus the constant, you start to think a certain way. You got to stop thinking like, you know, and it's something that we talked about earlier on Clubhouse too. At some point, you got to reach out to somebody and you got to pay somebody to help you because, you know, if I'm going to be in the in the shop here, you know, roasting day and night to fill orders and stuffing bags with coffee and figuring out shipping and packaging them and sending them off, I have zero time left uh, to work on the business, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know we talked about that earlier, but that's big, you know, and, and so, you know, for so, me, I have to budget money because, you know, I'm at a point right now where uh, I probably should have waited a little bit longer, but, but uh, I was at a point, you know, working for the DOD that I was just done and it was yeah. a bad place for me to be. And I walked away from 10, 12 K a month, you know, to do this, but God put all these people in my life. You know, yeah. I, I know the guy, I, I mean, I personally know him, not like just a little bit, but like we've, 
spent the night at his house in Kansas and we've been to the farm in Honduras and we have a great relationship. He owns the farm where the coffee's grown. I mean, you know, so. Um, what we're going to do is we need to get you down there with Joel Olstein down there in Texas and we need to get your coffee in his facility. That's what Woo! we got. Wow. What? Um, hey, it, you know, He's always preaching about it. I'm going to, you know, I just happen to be friends with him on Facebook. Let's let me see what I can do. There you go. Uh, you know, it's funny. Somebody told me recently, uh, are you guys familiar with the Marine rapper? Yes. yes. And so he told me something. Well, yeah, he told he's me affiliate. something. He's their affiliate. Yeah. That, that just kind of like hit me. And uh, he was, he was asking me about the business and I was telling him, I said, well, you know, I said my three year, three years or so is, is to be as big as black rifle. My five years is to hopefully shadow them. And then I don't really know where to go from there. And he's like, no, man, he goes, you have such a better mission than they do. You have a better product than they do. You need to be as big as third day coffee. Seguin. That's what you need to be. And it just, it's a mindset thing, right? Cause like I never thought about elevating, you know, my company to be bigger than some of these outfits that are out there that are, you know, that are doing tons and tons of revenue, but that's really where I need to, I need to see that result as me being that big. And so, so the first thing I would tell you is how do you take that from a wish and a dream into an action plan? Cause there's a lot of us that are like this, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the number one veteran marketing company. That's a wish, bro. That's a dream, bro. How do you make that actionable? create your vision statement, create your mission statement and put it in there. I will be no later than so that, and so put it in there. And now once that's in your mission statement, your mission statement, just like in the military is something that you should action task and purpose. And it's constrained by time from there. Now we're setting smart goals, OKRs, KPIs quarter, every quarter you have your goals. Are you hitting them? Sales, marketing, bam, bam, bam. That's how you get there. That's kind of what, that's what we help people realize. That's cool. Let's take it out of that. And now let's get an action plan. That's the laser focused mindset, employing your military superpowers into business success skills. Because you know what a mission statement is, because I don't care what your job was in the military. All of us was on a mission at one time in our life. We know what a mission is. Right. So once we do that, the next part of our course, achieve speed through deliberate, decisive action. I know my mission. I've got my I've got my smart goals, OKRs, KPIs. I know what I need to do. And then the last thing, dominate your market. That's how you that's how you activate your hustle every single morning, because now you have task and purpose and you can get up and and make it happen. And then you can sit there. And that's why I tell people time management biggest crock of crap out there. It's not time management. It's decision management. You are choosing what you need to do and what needs to get done. Are you going to sit there and play on your phone and play a game? I don't know. Angry Birds, that's still a thing. I don't know. what. It no. Is. Or are you going to do, uh, or are you going to do something on your business? And if it's going to be something on your business, is it going to be something that are you working in or are you working on? Because you got to do both at this point, right? Some of us, you know, how yeah. do you do that? And then you just, you just, Give yourself, give yourself a pat on the back for what you're getting done. 
simple thing that I do is I use sticky notes, things I need to get done, I put on the left side of my screen. As I'm working on it, I put it on the top side of my screen because I know I'm seeing it. And then guess what? When I'm done, it's on the right side of my screen. Why is that? I wrote down my daily goals for the day. It's tactile feedback. And I'm actually seeing the progression of what I'm doing. And then at the end of the day, when they're there, I know I'm done. That's how you increase your quality of life and achieve that work-life balance is because you're physically and you're physically uh, touching, set, feeling, and you're, it's all there. It's not some elusive goal and wish of how you're going to become the best coffee this side of heaven, right? Because you now have that laser focus. That's laser focus, bro. I'm already there. Everybody doesn't know it yet, but we already are the best coffee this side. You of are. You just got to <laughs> gotta figure out now, like Grant Cardone says, you just got to figure out how to get your money out of the other people's pockets because they so they buy the best coffee this side of heaven, right? Another Texas boy right there. Um, so that's the other thing. How do you get your money out of the other people's pockets so they can partake in the best coffee this side of heaven? That's it, man. You guys are absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to us working. I know Marty and I have already talked uh, a little bit about how we're going to move forward with uh, helping, you know, helping us get, get where we need to go. Cause I'm at a, I'm at a literally at a point where I'm, I'm so buried in the work that I have almost nothing left by the end of the day uh, or the end of the week or sometimes the end of the month uh, to spend on, you know, I've got a website that I've been building for months now right. and uh, cause I don't have time. And then like, you know, I want to go in and have dinner with my family and I want to, you know, and then, uh, you know, Wednesday nights and, and Sundays, you know, are church. And so it's just, uh, it's definitely a resource that you guys are so much value added. You know, you really can't put a price on stuff like that because you can't create more time. Nope. You know, there's 24 hours in a day, just like it is for me and just like it is for you. And it's how we manage that time, you know, that's going to get us where we want to be. And, and here's, so, here's something you can do and people that are watching can do if you want to, if you want to figure out how to get more time in your day. Right. We just said there's only 24 hours. I can't get more time. Yes, you can. Here's how you can do that is on a sheet of paper, draw two lines down the shape. Right. At the very top, I want you to write on the top left. I want you to write hate in the middle, tolerate and on the right side, fascinate in the hate column. I want you to write down just a list of everything you hate about being an entrepreneur or about your job, whatever it is. And then those things that eh, no, I do them, I can, I, I tolerate them. And then on the right side, all the things that fascinate them, you love roasting the coffee, you know, creating the crayon or whatever it is, right? Then when you go back to the hate column, you delve up, you delve, you delve into that a little bit further. You look at those things and you figure out, okay, what do I automate, right? Or what can I delegate, right? If I can do that, or do I just eliminate? It should be a time waste. Doing that, then you can kind of figure out, okay, these are this, this is now time where I need to hire a VA, go on Fiverr, because I'm never going to get on Canva and build up my logo. And if I do, it'll look like, you know, it was done by freaking Gumby or something. Um, you know, that's where you figure it out and you're making those decisions because there's a mantra that, that we learned from our coach 
one of our coaches is if it's not going to make me money, I'm not going to do it. And so when you, when you look at that and you look at those tasks that you need to do, it gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Plus it gives you an appreciation for all the amount of work you're doing and you get to say, damn, I'm awesome. This is, I'm doing, I'm doing good work. You know, cause there's a lot of times where you're going to go to bed tired and you're going to be like, man, what am I doing? I get up at three in the morning, four in the morning. I try to do PT because I still believe in the rest principle, read, exercise, sleep, and think. Because if you're doing that, then your mind, body, and spirit is charged, sharpened, and ready to go every single day. And that's how you can do it. But even then, you know, James makes fun of me. I try, I try never to share my screen on Zoom with James, but sometimes I do. And he'll be like, oh my gosh, how many tabs do you have open? How many things do you have open? I'm like, Unfortunately, that's my mind right now because I'm all over the place. I mean, literally today I created an entire podcast, a brand new podcast tied into artificial intelligence and put it. It's, we're already on Apple, Spotify and a couple other channels. We're tied up with our bank account and everything in there already. I mean, and we've already got articles pumping in there with music and everything. But that's just we're just firing as fast as we can because I knew we needed to get something done because we're about something big in the podcast world. JR, you, you got a great message already. And um, my uncle, actually, uh, Uncle Roy, he actually saw the episode this Wednesday when you were talking about National Coffee Day. And he was he was like just inspired by your message. And I think uh, I'm not going to say I think I know if we got JR out there more, you know, boots on ground in, in front of people, you know, you, you have that pastor mentality, pastor mindset. I think you would let the message take over and then his will would be done. And then you will have what you need there to do that. You know, so it's the coffee is the vessel. The message is there. So, the you know, we're here to help you, man. So we'll, we'll get you. Going. I, before I close this, I'm going to tell you which weird James that you mentioned that. Cause one of the things that I've been struggling with lately is I feel this tug uh, to finish my seminary uh, and and to actually submit to preach, I feel this tug, and I and I don't feel like it's me. I feel like a total imposter, right? I'm not good enough. There's no way, uh, you know, the thoughts that go through my head sometimes, the things that come out of my mouth sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes the way I get ticked off and 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 I'm ugly to my wife or or whatever, and so I feel this huge imposter. You know, and and a real close friend of mine just reminded me yesterday. He said, really? He goes, Paul was killing Christians. And I was like, I haven't killed anybody yet. But, <laughs> you know, but it's weird that you say that because that's something that I've been struggling with. I'm praying about it. My close circles praying about it. Uh, and I actually have a meeting with my pastor to see to see, you know, which way we go, because he's offered to pay for the rest of my school if I'll work at church. I'm already there. So, uh, I mean, there, there's your, there's your message, you know, and he, he, yeah. my uncle, he was actually going through the same process you are now. And now medically he cannot do those things. So I share that message with you because you don't want to wait till it's too late. Right. And he waited yeah. till it's too late. Like he physically cannot, he's going, he gets uh, kidney uh, dialysis and all these things done now. So he just medically can't, he, he, he just can't do it, you know, because he just physically can't hang in there to do it. But, you know, take advantage of the time that you have now 
and go out and do that. Because, I mean, that's only going to – it it lines perfectly in with your coffee that you have and the message. Yeah. So finish the, finish yeah. the task. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Guys, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed spending time with you guys. I look forward to our meeting in November and, and before then, too. November uh, 17th, Lounge of Legends. Going to have yeah. our coffee legend. First coffee legend coming in the house. It'll be uh, yeah, November 17th, noon Eastern Standard Time. We'll be on Facebook, YouTube, and we're on the E360. Coming into the big month. November's a heavy hitter month, man. That's a big month. It is. It's a huge month. And we have a huge, uh, I think, uh, well, the week before that, when our podcast is on, the, it's on the 12th uh, on Friday, the day after uh, Veterans Day. And we're planning this huge uh, podcast at my buddy who's a pastor at a different church. He's an army veteran. Uh, and his his number two, his, his uh, men's pastor is an Air Force veteran. And uh, we're going to get up and we're going to sing and and just uh, we're gonna do a little preaching on that on that day after uh, after Veterans Day, but yeah, that's uh, so you that's, know that's a big month. I just realized it because we had to shuffle some deck chairs around. Um, we actually on the tenth, we've got the one with the Ranger Chaplain, Chaplain Barry, my chaplain from when I was a young privet, getting in all sorts of trouble. I don't know how he even still talks to me. Ranger Hall of Fame. Uh, He was inducted in the Ranger Hall of Fame this past year for 2020. And uh, then we got you coming on. So it'll be pretty cool. And then from there, we've got, uh, then we got Olin Lester. So we're going, yeah, we're going Ranger heavy. Yeah, because we got uh, McChrystal. McChrystal, General McChrystal, Ranger. And then we got Ranger Barry. Then we got you, Coffee, Texas, Texas Ranger. And then we got (laughs) Ranger Horrors. We got Olin Lester, American. Uh, he's an author of American Horrors. Yeah, we got a pretty That's awesome, uh, pretty awesome lineup coming up in November. And yeah. we got something special cooking right now. It's in the works for Veterans Day. So uh, stay tuned. And I have a feeling that Jr.'s going to be part of it. He doesn't know it yet, though. <laughs> yeah, and then November seventh and eighth, we've got the the I have event. Uh, in Houston, mm-hmm. that's right. I still need to register. That's, that's on the seventh and eighth, and and uh, I just talked to uh, uh, Steve and Lane uh, yesterday about getting me in to do the coffee on Sat on Sunday. They have somebody they know doing it on on Saturday for the ladies, but uh, they're going to try to get me in for. Um, um, yes, Brian, they are Joint Task Force Two Fourteen, um, and Frank. Yep, I'm going to do a. Uh, Frank just went and saw the. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the the original movie that came out, I think in the nineties called uh, courageous with all the police officers that were, um, they were all going through different things in their life and they all decided to make a pack based on scripture. Uh, the, the one, the one officer lost a daughter and he started reading his Bible. And so he started reading about what it meant biblically to be a father to your children and and so anyway, Frank just saw the remake of it and he asked me to help him do a Bible study. And so I know he and I are going to kick that off pretty soon. But I, love yeah. that. I, have, I, have, I was not familiar with that. I love it. I'll have to check it out because one of the yeah. things that I say, cause I call my daughter coach. Everyone knows that. And they're like, why do you call your daughter coach? Well, one, it started off as a joke because I used to let her pick the route. 
But then I realized that my kids are my coach and that I am, I, I am the adult, you know, be the adult today that you want your children to be tomorrow. And, you know, setting that example, refinding my faith, grind, ground, ground, grinding, grounding myself, I can't even speak now. It was really good. Start um, talk, talk like me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, setting that example and then, um, you know, that that's why we call the kid. That's why we call him coach here. You know, it's because you got to really, you know, one, one of our coaches was, was giggling because they said, uh, but it, oh, my gosh, I just heard an Army Airborne Ranger say what the monkeys and holy shnikes. And I'm like, well, I've got two kids, you know, I'm not going to be cursing like a, like a ranger or a sailor over here. You're a sailor. <laughs> yeah. That out. That's awesome. Yeah. If y'all would have met my dad, you'd have laughed because dad could hold an entire conversation with you and only use like three words that were not profane. I mean, yeah, it was, he had a talent. It was a talent. I'm not going to say it was a gift because it wasn't, but, but there but, was, uh, time, yeah, where I would do that and it would, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, I can't even say it was that long ago, you know, that, that was me, you know, absolutely full of Copenhagen and freaking coffee and two in the morning and the jock and, you know, yeah, you know definitely <laughs> brothers. I, I really uh, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, coming by and uh, I'm gonna put you guys in the green room for a second hang tight and sure. uh, I'm gonna shut this down real quick and uh, again right. I really appreciate you coming on all right, all right. Thank you. absolutely all right folks that's it man that's a wrap for episode 38 and uh, two incredible individuals uh, go back to to the comments pick up their website visit it you know, if you're trying to get your business off the ground, I can tell you firsthand working uh, with these guys a little bit that I've already that I'm really excited about what's going to happen with our business and and where we go from here. Until then, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness and respect. Until next week. God bless.